good to be with you guys. I have the privilege and the pleasure of being on pastoral staff here at Wellspring. Uh, my name's Tony. If you're new, visit and checking us out. It's good to have you. If you've been here 50 years or five months, it's good to have you. Um, actually, before I send the kids off, I wanted to start with um, an apology to the kids. See, one of the things we do often at Wellspring is we do announcements at the end of service. So what happens is then the kids don't always get looped into things that are going on. They depend on the bigger people in the room to pass on that information, right? And I realize there's a loop in this system. And what, real, what sort of really caught me on to this was we are doing this backpack drive for kids who don't have backpacks, don't have school supplies. And so we thought, well, let's get some backpacks and school supplies for kids who need it. And this weekend, I, I heard a story of two kids who decided, you know what? We're going to sell some of our toys, and we're going to actually do a bake sale in order to raise money for kids who don't have backpacks. No parent involvement, maybe a little with the oven, but other than that, and on Saturday morning, they raised $150. And the reason I share this story is kids, I just want you to know this is your church. This is your family. And if you're inspired to get backpacks for kids in need, I think you should go for it. Maybe you will have to lead your parents in some of embodying some of the compassion of Jesus in this place. Now the parents are going to be like, oh my gosh, you've just unleashed something. <laughs> And you know what? I say amen to that. <laughs> kids, if you want to hang out with other kids, feel free to hang out. They're all back there. There's like a little line and join them. It'll be awesome. Now, in the scriptures, uh, as we've been going through the Torah, you've probably noticed there's this refrain to remember and look back. And often, there's this invitation to look back so that we can walk faithfully moving forward. Deuteronomy 24.8 reads, You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Right? There's this assumption baked into the scriptures that we need to look back at what God has done. Seen, you know, we get to see God be faithful, and that informs our posture of trust as we move forward. There's this invitation to, to not forget. So this morning, what I want to do, right, this is our fourth anniversary from when we started the church plant four years ago, and I want to look back, because I think it's actually really important for us to look back as we move forward, because the truth is we're in a season of transition again. We're trying to figure out what does it look like to faithfully build God's kingdom in this space, coming out of, hopefully, a global pandemic that has sent most of us kind of reeling, and we're all trying to adjust and see what it looks like to be faithful moving forward. Now, the truth is, the church plant started before I got here. Before I arrived, God was already at work in this place. There was a small group of older, faithful men and women that were gathered here. But by the year 2016, 2017, things weren't all that great. There were some tough times. There was one family who had been here 50 plus years who said to me they were afraid in this season that the church would close. Right? Founded in 18, 
91, after 130 years, maybe this would be the season when God's people would stop meeting in this building. Now, there's a long story of how we get from there to here, but I want to share one of the sort of foundational moments that happened before I arrived. The community was offered a choice. This guy named Mike Murphy, he came, stood on this stage, I think, and he offered this community an analogy. A small group of people, many of whom had been here 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And he said this, imagine this church is a field. And God is in a bulldozer. And he's in this corner. And you guys, you're standing in the other corner of the field. And you have the keys to the bulldozer. And God asks you, are you willing to give me the keys to the bulldozer so I can do what I want with this field? Imagine you've been in this place 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You love this place. But do you trust God to give him enough control to upend everything? This group did. I wanted to just start here. Because I think this is the foundational act of faith and trust of this whole church plant. I just want to just take a moment. If you were here at that point, I want you to stand up. These are the people that took that risk. These are the people that... You may be seated unless you really like standing. (laughs) But I just want to say it was this whole church plant was really built upon their faith. Now, as the story goes, our family learned about this church plant a little after this time. It was December of 2017. This is months after the famous bulldozer Sunday morning or moment. We were living up in Washington. Uh, We were part of a church community, a family, a community up there that we really loved. It was awesome. It was great. So when we heard about this, we didn't want to make any hasty decisions. So we hosted these three different prayer discernment gatherings, just get a sense of like, God, what are you doing here? The first one, uh, well, actually had a couple of them. God led people to Isaiah 43, 17. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Right? It was this kind of foundational invitation to us. So big, it actually ended up on the wall over here, if you can find it. I think on that bottom one on the right. Behold, I am doing a new thing. He also led us to a psalm. I remember at the first prayer gathering, this woman named Melinda, we were gathered in a circle in the family room of our house up in Washington. And Melinda raised her hand over us as she read this. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. 
The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. I remember just feeling the impact of those words as we sat up there considering this big move. The thing was, right, Psalm 121, first prayer gathering was awesome. And then the next prayer gathering, Sharon's sitting on this little blue couch we have. And she says, you know, well, I'm not sure if this is the Holy Spirit, but I kind of was led to this psalm. Let me read it to you. Psalm 121. And it was like every time we gathered, Psalm 121 kept coming back. Felt like there was this invitation to our family and in this process to sort of sit in Psalm 121. Now, Psalm 121, for those of you who don't know, is one of the Psalms of Ascent. So these are prayers and songs the scholars think the pilgrims would sing as they went from their hometown to Jerusalem. Maybe it's a walk of 10 miles or 150 miles, but they would sing and say these prayers as they walked along the journey. Right, and the truth was, our family, if we decided to move down to Pacific Grove and be a part of a church plant, we were going to be on a journey of our own. And it wasn't going to be an easy journey. When we were taking a risk, and the real question of where does my help come from felt incredibly real. The truth is, before we even landed in the ground in PG, God was already answering that question. Where does my help come from? So one of the, before I sort of accepted the invitation, the call, whatever, we had a, a Sunday morning like this where we came and we did like a discernment time where I could teach and we could have some worship. That they could, the congregation who was here could say, yeah, not so much or okay. You know, I wanted to give them a feel. So I had a buddy of mine uh, from San Jose. He was going to come down and lead worship. Someone who could kind of give them a sense of like, this is where we're going. It's a Thursday. That Sunday, he's supposed to come down. He's riding his bike, mountain bike, in Santa Cruz. A bee flies into his mouth. He flips over his handlebars, lands on his head, ends up in the ER with a concussion, calls me Thursday afternoon. I have a concussion. There's no way I can lead worship on Sunday. So, appropriately, I have my personal freakout, right? Like, what am I going to do? Put a CD on? Like, this is going to be so lame. <laughs> An hour later, I get a call from John and Amy Eldridge. People I've never met, never talked to. And they say, hey, we heard you might need a worship leader. What? Like, who are you? Wait, come again? Hey, are you free on Sunday? Yeah, we could be there. John and Amy come on Sunday. I meet them for the first time. And it's like, oh, wow. I ask Amy after, I was like, oh, would you consider staying here for like four months, you know, if, if I come down? You know, John and Amy ended up leading worship here for two years, and they're still a part of our team and band and community. That same week, I thought, well, I'm going to be there. I should probably, you know, see other people. And I was praying about, like, who else could be a part of this thing? And two friends of mine that I had met up in Washington, but I hadn't seen for like two years, I, I called them that very week and was like, hey, I know this is crazy but I'm going to be in Monterey on this Sunday. I'm just wondering if maybe God is inviting you to be a part of this church plant. 
they were living in Nevada at the time. And so they're like, hey, when do you want us to come down? I was like, how about Sunday? And they're like, uh, I have a backpacking trip planned. We'll cancel it. They drove down that Sunday. And then by the afternoon, they're like, hey, if, if you want us to come and you do this, we will relocate our whole lives to be here. Right? So that's Matt and Trish Crawl, if you've met them. There was another family in Washington that we were, had invested in and led with and were really partners in the gospel with us. And when we told them, they were not happy that we were moving. <laughs> I love that scene uh, with Ruth and Naomi in the Old Testament when Naomi says to Ruth, like, you should just go home. And, and Ruth's like, no, 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 where you go, I go. And this family in Washington, family of five, left their jobs, left their house, and moved down here so that she could be sort of the administrative help that I really need, and they could be a part of the church plant. They moved into this tiny little apartment, and we're like, we're here. Where does my help come from? The plant started in July of 2017. And I think that summer, uh, you know, we had about 60 people. I think we were average age, about 70, 70 plus, maybe a little bit. We were flirting. There was one Sunday where I think our kids were literally the only kids here. I look back on those days, a number of stories stand out. One, uh, Greg had been doing sound for like 10 years straight. Right, because you get small enough and it's like, who can carry the burden? And he came up to me one Sunday and he said, you know, it'd be really nice if I could worship with my wife one Sunday. And I'm thinking, yeah, but we need you to be on the soundboard, you know. What do you do? Where does my help come from? So I said to Greg, okay, we'll figure out a way for you to be with your wife in worship, even if it means we don't have sound one Sunday. Like, this is what we're going to do. And then God started bringing more people. And this is the thing. It wasn't just about more people in pews. It was about people being able to take a rest that had been weary and burdened for a long time. One Sunday, I asked as the church, some people were starting to come, some younger folks were starting to come, and I asked the church, you know, hey, are there four or five guys that could help me just move some stuff? Because there was a lot of stuff that had accumulated in this building over time, and can, you know, five or five guys that could help me just move some junk after service? And they came and did it, and after service, these few women came up to me, and they were crying, and I was like, oh, no, what did I do, you know? And they just looked at me, and they said, do you know how long it has been since we could make an announcement like that and have people help us move things. I remember times when there were elders at this church and people that were a part of that initial decision, right, to give God the keys that would just be weeping in these pews as they watched the new life God was bringing. That first Easter, I remember one of the folks that had been here a long time said to me, you know, I can't remember the last time that it was full like this. And they said, you know, I, the last time I remember being full like this was at a funeral. 
that God was bringing life to this body in this beautiful way. But the big shift really happened in year two, actually. God started bringing lots of new people. And from a staff perspective, honestly, it was very overwhelming because um, it was Melinda and I trying to, like, coordinate all these different things. And, you know, we had 10 to 15 nonprofits using the space that were, like, rotating through. We had folks getting baptized, coming to faith. We had all of these cool things happening. CMT, which was one of the churches uh, that needed a building, started meeting here. I think we started with about 60 people that first Sunday. And, you know, and then by January of 2020, there was like, you know, 250, 300 people that were like regularly participating. There was so much life. I just want to share a couple stories, a couple testimonies that people wrote. This is from one person in our church. Moving to Pacific Grove was a huge change. We left our entire support system to come here and build another one. I was terrified. One Sunday, we came to Wellspring. My kids have never, never walked into a classroom without a fuss. That day, they walked in and started playing without even giving me a hug goodbye. I sat in the pew and asked God to calm my nerves. The music started, and for the first time since moving here, I felt safe. Wellspring was more than just an answered prayer for our family. God has transformed my understanding of walking in faith. Another story. My awareness of Christ and a desire to seek Him came later in life. It was then actually until the last couple of years that I got to see how big and good God really is. It was about the same time I started to attend Wellspring that I would enter into thus far has been one of the most challenging seasons of my life. I had wandered way too far this time. And God placed people on my path who stood with me and for me and who loved me in ways I hadn't experienced before. I witnessed what I will always remember as a rescue, a real life-saving of and fighting for my soul. People stood alongside me and witnessed as God has turned absolute despair and hopelessness into a life I actually could not have imagined for myself. I smile to think of how many times we have looked at each other in amazement at what God has done, what he has provided. He, had, he, he has healed me in ways and brought peace to me that are both indescribable. I know that I will face challenging times again, but I also know that I have a church and a community that sees me, knows me, and prays for me. This gives me courage and reminds me that God is good. That he loves us and fights for us even when we wander and run away. It is at Wellspring that God has showed me that he will match our faithfulness a thousandfold when we surrender to his will and his love. These are just two stories of literally just hundreds of people who God has brought life, spoken to, transformed in this place over the last few years. But year two, right, things started getting crazy this place was growing. And the question was, God, you know, how are we supposed to do this? Melinda and I had a very limited capacity to do all these things. And it was like, we need, God, we need you to bring leaders. We need you to develop people in this place. And what we started seeing was people in this body saying, oh, 
I will lay my life down for the youth. I will lay my life down for the worship team, for kids' ministry. We started having a staff culture where half of our staff were volunteers that were bivocational, and they just felt like God was leading them. They're like, all right, I'm in. It was this pretty amazing experience of watching God provide time and time again. I just want to share one of them in a little more depth. So uh, around a year and a half, Melinda and Josh decided they were going to move back to Washington. They felt like they had sort of faithfully responded to the call. And then the question was, well, if Melinda's gone, like, what am I going to (laughs) do? And then one day, God brought the Maddox family to Wellspring. This is how Aaron tells the story. My family and I came to Wellspring in the fall of 2018 in the midst of confusion and disappointment. I'd spent the last couple of years preparing for and leading a small church plant in Seaside, only to have it closed down. When a friend of, me told, friend of mine told me about this awesome church plant in PG, literally the day after announcing we were closing hours down, it felt like salt in my wound. My wife, Cheyenne, said, we should check it out. I wasn't super thrilled. <laughs> but it wasn't long before the Spirit really convicted me. The first Sunday here, the warmth and welcome was unreal. I cried. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> you know it's authentic, right? <laughs> I cried, surprise, surprise, during the teaching and worship for the first five or six weeks. God was speaking to me and confirming that he wasn't done with us. And this place was home. It felt like a family. Because Wellspring is a family. Everything I dreamt about seeing happen in our church plant was happening here at Wellspring. Without knowing what God had in store, we committed and plugged in as best we could. Words can't express how grateful our family is for the family that is Wellspring. A place that is truly home where we can grow together in the gifts the Spirit has given us following and serving Jesus. It's just this beautiful picture when you're on, in my seat of watching how God orchestrates things. Right? Even in the midst of Aaron's pain and disappointment, he brings him into a place of refreshment and contribution. And on my side, it's like I'm freaking out, wondering what's going to happen. And God has even better things in store. We got to January 2020, and it was amazing. For the first time since coming here, things were stable. The place was full. It was awesome. There was so much energy and program. And for the first three months of 2020, I was like, oh, I could do this for a while. Because you know what happens next, right? A global pandemic, the church has to figure out what to do, where to meet. Oh my gosh. Thinking of that, I I was reminded of a story. When I lived in Washington, uh, one, I think it was summer, uh, went on a a bit of a hike on the PCT between uh, basically at the border of Oregon and Washington and up. It was just like 30, 40 miles, something like that. But it was pretty quick. We were doing it in 
just over 24 hours. So it was a bit of a hike. But see, I was doing like ultra marathons at that point. So to me, a hike, I was just like, ah, not a big deal. And the person with me also was training. So it was just like for us, we were fine. But then there was Gus. Now, Gus thought, I can do this. I was an athlete in high school. I'm fine. So when we started walking, Gus was going much faster than I thought he maybe should. For Josh and I, it was fine, but for Gus, so we asked Gus, I was like, Gus, are you sure this pace is okay for you? And he's like, yeah, 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 I'm fine, you know? And he's a grown man, so you don't want, like, every 10 minutes to be like, are you sure? Are you sure? Right? That would just be, like, humiliating. So we let him go. Like, set the pace. We just let him sort of set the pace, and at mile 18, the wheels came off. We were at Crag Mountain. Crag Mountain is pretty steep. Have you ever been on a hike where your legs stop working and you start doing this thing with your pants to like get your legs going? This was Gus going up Crag Mountain, sitting every five minutes. Right? It's this moment where he's 18 miles in, like it's just about as far to go back to the car now. So you might as well just keep going. Right? All he wanted was to get back to the car, drive home, lay in a comfy bed, and be done. All he wanted was the comfortable and the familiar, not the long, difficult path of Crag Mountain. And I share this story because at the beginning of 2020, there was excitement. God had transformed this place. We were so excited. We were moving. And then as the pandemic hit, I felt like Gus. I think many of us did. As a community and as a church, we were climbing this crag mountain of our own, wishing, not for the car, not for the bed, but wishing things would just be back to normal. Can't we just have it how it was? But there was no way back. And there's only a way forward. Right now, as we know, in times of stress, it is so easy for God to feel about this big and our problems to feel enormous. Again, I'm reminded of Psalm 121. The psalmist tells us in the midst of the journey, when we begin to struggle, that our help comes from the Lord. And he says this, verse 2, the maker of heaven and earth. Right, the psalmist draws us back to the grandeur and the majesty and the bigness of our creator, God. Right, if God can create the heavens and the earth, surely he can find a way through this turbulent, bumpy patch of the journey. Psalmist writes in verses 3 through 8, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth 
and forevermore. Imagine you're a pilgrim on a journey. Right, you're walking through sort of hilly desert terrain. It's beautiful, probably like your favorite Georgia O'Keeffe painting. Right? Now imagine scorpions, just kidding. But as you walk, right, the, the pilgrim is holding tight to the psalmist's words. Right, that God won't let your foot slip as you're on these narrow trails. As you walk in the desert heat, God will be your, your shade. The tree under which you rest under the heat of the sun. And on the road, right, as you make this long journey to Jerusalem, God is your protection from the ever real and present danger of robbers and thieves. As you go to the temple and as you return. When you begin your journey and when you finish it. Right, God is the one who will guide your steps. And I can say, going through the pandemic, you know, wherever we're at in that process now, God has been with us. It's been this incredible experience. Right, Cliff and Jill took over as worship leaders in the beginning of the pandemic. Right, like three months, January, I think 2020, they started to lead the worship team. Three months in, they're like, boom. Then like the tech team, the worship team, everyone's trying to scramble and make things work. And it was this really beautiful, heroic effort of trying to figure out, how do we do this? And many of you sat outside for five months in the cold, in the fog, in the wind tunnel between these two buildings. The funny thing is, looking back, like I think of that as one of the sweetest moments as a pastor because you reminded us all that it's not about, you know, having the right pews or technology, any of the sort of glamour or cool parts about being a part of a church. It is about Jesus, even if it means sitting in the cold outside in the wind every Sunday morning. I remember Heather telling me one Sunday who joined us during the pandemic, you know, she'd been served in, been at large churches, stood on stage, and there's all these people, right, and there's all this awesome program and tech and all these things, and there were Sundays in the worship, right, in the wind tunnel, when she looked out and she saw a faithfulness as people worshiped Jesus, because there was no comfort, there wasn't much predictability, but what we had was each other and a God who kept us on every step of the journey. Here are two stories, people that joined us during the pandemic. If God had shown me a year ago the way he would move in my life as a result of joining the Wellspring family, I wouldn't have believed him. Wellspring has been a catalyst for the Holy Spirit to do a deeper work of healing and transforming in my heart. I've done a lot of striving and checking boxes in my life with God, and it's never been all that fruitful. I've never been more challenged or more encouraged by those around me and by his Holy Spirit to keep pushing towards Jesus. During a pandemic, she realized, I had no idea that community could be so rich and fruitful. 
Wellspring has absolutely been a spring of life. Another story. The first service we attended was outside in the cold between the two buildings. I couldn't believe how welcoming everyone was during a pandemic. Everywhere else we went, we saw fear and anxiety. Here we saw joy and excitement. Since I moved here, I've grown more in more ways that didn't seem possible to me. I've learned more about myself in the last seven months than I have in the last seven years of my life. I couldn't have done it without the relationships that have been made here at Wellspring. I thank God that he moved us here. And I just love these stories because they just remind me over the last few years, like just how faithful God has been. I'm reminded of Psalm 121, right? This word keep is repeated six times in verses three through eight. In Hebrew, the word keep is shomar, and it can be used lots of different ways. So in the Old Testament, one keeps a garden. Applied here, it helps us to see that God will watch over us like a gardener, watering, weeding, tending the soil of our individual and communal life. In the Old Testament, one keeps sheep, right? We can see that God is our shepherd. So we know if we wander off, right, he's going to come looking for us and bring us back. In the Old Testament, one also keeps guard, right? This idea that God will guard us. He'll keep us from harm. One also keeps watch. You can imagine God standing at night on the wall through the night, just making sure that we are safe as we rest inside the city. Right? Through this journey, through this pandemic, it hasn't been easy, but it's super clear to me as I look back that God has been our keeper. He's been the gardener of our souls, the shepherd of this flock, the guard and watchman of our lives. And as we enter this season of transition, trying to figure out how do we rebuild this space, this community? How do we sort of invest in this place so it's the place God wants it to be as we move forward? What's clear to me is that this is not going to be a passive experience for you or me. Right, just like that first group of people that were offered this field analogy and the bulldozer, right? they're invited to participate. They're invited to let go. It requires something of us. Just like Gus going up Crag Mountain, right? he had a choice. Right? Up or down, the journey or the car. It's inspiring right, to read about a faithful group of people and this bulldozer and this field, and it's like, oh, how cool. And then God says, imagine you, your life is the field. And God is in a bulldozer in the corner, and he looks you in the eye, and he says to you, will you give me the keys to your life so that I can do with your life what I want. Right? In that moment, we realize that God is actually calling all of us. Calling all of us to be a part of his family and his kingdom in this place here.
to let go of control and allow him to work in us and through us. One of the things about these stories that I shared, these are people that got that. And what we see is as they give themselves, God has rewarded them with unbelievable experience of his presence in his life, and they see their lives changing. See, one of the foundational assumptions of church life is that everyone brings their gifts, their skills, their finances to the table so the local church can thrive. And my guess is, and this is the scary part, that if you open up your heart and your hands and actually say, God, I am willing to follow your lead, that he will ask you to do things that don't feel super comfortable right now. It might be, he might ask you to do something with your money that you're not, that you're holding a bit too tightly. It might be your time, right, that you'd rather spend doing something else. It might be inviting your secular neighbor over for dinner so that you can welcome them with the hospitality and kindness and grace of Jesus. Or maybe it'll be inviting people in this room into your house as we try and get to know one another again. Try and build a sense of connection and family. And maybe God's inviting you, nudging you to say, why don't you have these people you don't know in these pews over to your house for dinner and get to know their stories and their lives. Or maybe God will ask you to stand on the front steps before service and welcome people in with Jesus' kindness. Or maybe he'll invite you to embrace and disciple and meet with the next generation of kids that are growing up in this place so that they become the kind of people that are willing to give their lives to Jesus and his kingdom. Or maybe he'll ask you to do maybe the riskiest thing of all. Maybe this is a hard season for you and you're struggling. And his invitation will be actually for you to ask for help in this place. To turn to someone and say, I need your help. I'm struggling. Help me. And receive his kindness and his grace and his mercy as we move forward together. See, the thing is, every one of us sitting here today has a unique story and gift mix that only you can bring to this place. That it wasn't a mistake that you ended up here. That God has you here because you have something special and beautiful and profound to offer this place that only you can bring. One of my favorite things about Psalm 121 is it begins with creation. Right? The Lord is the maker of heaven and earth. And then it comes to the present in verse 8, and you have this idea of from this time forth, and then it ends with from this time forth forevermore. And the psalm, in some ways, kind of recognizes God created all things, and at the end, he's going to renew all things, make all things new. Kind of bookends salvation history. And it locates us in the middle of it. It invites us to trust Jesus before he returns 
and to offer him what we have, to offer him our lives and allow him to shape our participation in this place. And we know we can do that with hope because one day Jesus will return and make all things new. Right? We can hold on to that hope. Even in the bumpiness of coming out of a global pandemic and trying to find our footing as we lean into embodying God's presence in this place. After uh, Gus recovered uh, from his prolific soreness, I had this conversation with him, and he said, you know, climbing Crag Mountain was the hardest thing he had ever done. Um, you know, he was just brutally sore. But he also said this, it was the best adventure he ever had. I think it's my hope as we've made it through, you know, hopefully the worst part of this pandemic. And as we're trying to transition into what God wants to do in this place, that we will look back in five years and say, oh my gosh, God, you have been our keeper. God, you have been there for us every step of the way. God, you are the one from whom our help comes, right? And we will look back and say, Man, isn't God amazing? Look at the way he provided. Look at all the risks we took and the ways he proved himself faithful. I look forward to being on this adventure with you guys and seeing what God does in you and through you and in us as a body. We're four years into the story, but I think the story has just begun. I want to invite the worship team up, and I want to invite you guys, right, as we look back on God's faithfulness, and we look back to that initial group of people that were here, that were trusting Jesus, what does it look like for you to trust Jesus as we move forward? What does it look like for you to set aside, give control, right, of the bulldozer that God wants to have in your life, and maybe he just upends everything, or maybe he's like, no, nah, I kind of like it how it is. What does it look like for you to respond to that invitation? What does it look like for you to turn to God as your keeper and the source of help in this season as we move forward? Do you have a sense of how God is inviting you to offer your skills and resources and gifting to the building of his kingdom in this local church. As we turn to worship, let's just remember how good God is, how faithful he is, how much he has provided literally at every step of the journey and hold on to that as he calls all of us to lay down our lives for him and his kingdom in this place. I really think it could be a powerful story. Let's see what he does. God, you are good. I look back and I just see your faithfulness. I look back and I see all the ways that we have fallen on our face and made the wrong moves and you have brought people. You have been here and met us in our brokenness and in our need and in our fear 
and in our worries, and you have proved time and again that you are our keeper. That you will guide our steps from this day and forevermore. You are the one from whom our help comes. God, may we humble ourselves in your presence. Holy Spirit, speak to us, convict us. May we be a people that worship you. Holy Spirit, move in us as we stand to worship you. Let's stand and raise our voices. Let's sing out, are you hurting? <laughs> 